this is the wrong crowd to be given this message because you guys are here. So uh, this is, you guys can just shut your ears, close your eyes, take a snooze because you are faithful <laughs> to make it through the snow apocalypse. Um, so yeah, I'm here talking about faithful with little. Um, I really hope that we're just, we're encouraged by this message, that we're uplifted, um, but but encouraged that to make a change, like there has to be a change in our lives, you know? And so, I'm going to start off with a story, but a disclaimer first. Um, you'll understand the disclaimer when I tell the story, but I just want to say I have a loving wife who has given me permission to tell this story. She's, oh, she, she is in the room, thankfully. <laughs> She's given me permission to tell this story, and we are trusting of each other. We, you know, Aja, my wife, she's not crazy. And she's very trusting of me. So, faithful with little, faithful with little. I have a journal, or I got a journal a few months ago called the 90 Days of Intention Journal. And let me tell you, this journal is the essence of faithful with little because you have uh, three 90-day goals that you set, right? Because we often have big goals that we want to reach, but they're, they're long-term goals or maybe mid-term goals, and we don't think about them. So these, these, this breaks it down into three 90-day goals. And to reach those goals, you have weekly objectives. So you have the 90 days, and then every week, up until you reach those goals, hopefully, you're setting weekly objectives. So, <laughs> so you're, you're faithful with a little, so you reach your goals, Right? And I'm pumped. I have this journal. I'm telling everybody about it. A lot of people in this room probably heard about it. And I'm writing in it every day. I'm thinking, man, I'm so productive. I've never really written my journals or my, my goals down before like this. And so you have maybe a couple um, like job goals, maybe related to your job or school or business. And then you have a couple um, personal goals or one personal goal. My personal goal was to connect more with Aja, to connect more with my wife, you know, yeah, just, oh, come on, that's, that's heartfelt, <laughs> um, just more frequently, more intentionally, we had a, a kid, and that changes things, a lot of your attention goes to the little human, so one day, she expressed how she wanted me to plan more date nights, so I'm like, oh, perfect, I got my new journal, so, uh, one of my weekly objectives in my handy-dandy journal is plan a date night, okay? So I didn't get to it that week. Next weekly objective, plan a date night. I didn't get to it again. I know I'm a jerk, but wait, it gets worse. So I write it in my journal a third time, and it still doesn't happen. And so this is where the disclaimer comes in. My wife is very trusting of me, but one day she was just cleaning off the bookshelf, probably dusting, and she sees my journal there. And I've told her about this journal many times, like, yeah, I'm writing this goal, this is my goal, this is my 90-day goal, kind of being, being a, a little bit stupid about it. But she uh, just starts to flip through the journal, like, oh, I wonder, I just wonder how he's doing. Like, how is, is he reaching his goals? Is, you know, what is this thing all about? So she's flipping through it. She sees her name, which probably intrigues her a little more. And she sees uh, plan a date night. She flips to the next week, sees it again, <laughs> flips a third time. There it is, plan a date night. And so I still haven't done it at this point, so she's a little bit annoyed probably. So date night comes up again that later that day, and 
she brings it up, how she saw my notebook, you know, we're really trusting of each other, so she said, yeah, I read your notebook, you know this, and I'm thinking, all right, she knows, like, I'm thinking about it, brownie points for me, (laughs) you know, like, I wrote it down, she read it, like, the one time you'd want someone to read your thoughts and feelings is when you're writing about your wife, you know, how much you want to plan this date night, so, but let me tell you, boys, it's not the thought that counts, that is like the biggest lie, that's the biggest myth, okay? So, turns out, Age is annoyed at me, much to my surprise, and I was like, but babe, I wrote it in the journal, I was thinking about it, I wrote it, you know, it, and that didn't go over well, and so, yeah, here we are, I'm, tell, I'm telling that story, because I was not faithful with little, I was, you know, I had these 90-day goals, and And that's how we are a lot of times. We have these big things, these things we want to achieve, but we're not willing to do the little processes, the little habits that we form. And, you know, I failed at that, as funny as it is. And so we really hurt ourselves when we look to the big without taking care of the business that's right in front of us. No matter how intentional we get, even writing it down weekly, looking at it daily wasn't enough, you know. And so... Um, that's just a funny, funny example, but really the essence of what we're talking about today. And so, it wouldn't be a Christmas series message if we didn't at some point read through the story of the shepherds, right? So we're going to do that. We're going to look at uh, Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. So you can follow along. It says, uh, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is praised. He is pleased, with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So what's with the shepherds? You know, why the shepherds? Why Why would God choose to reveal the greatest event in the history of the world to a bunch of shepherds? And I don't know exactly why, but let's take a look at what shepherds were. They were faithful. They had to be faithful with little. And actually something about shepherds is the youngest boy in the family was to become the shepherd of the sheep. And so as you you became older you started to move on to tasks with your father that was sowing, planting, and harvesting crops, things that really mattered, things that were were 
so important for the survival of not just you, but your whole family. And so the youngest boy was to become the shepherd, be faithful with that, stay up with them at night, watch over them, protect them, and have this little task so that he could later be faithful with much. And so that could be a reason that God decided, hey, these shepherds, they're faithful people. They'll be faithful to serve me. They'll be faithful to tell people about what is happening, about who is coming into the world. And so being a shepherd was the essence of faithful with little, faithful with much. All right. So we're going to touch on that um, later a little bit. But I really want to dive into a couple verses that we're, we'll be spending probably most of our time in. and We'll be breaking it down. And what, the two verses I really want us to get. You know, if, if you think of anything or want to write something down, write down these two verses and really study them. It's Luke 16, 10 through 11, and it says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Verse 11, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? All right, so we have the unrighteous wealth and, and true riches, two different things, but they're in the same verse. They're comparable. And this verse isn't saying that money is bad or that having wealth is bad. That's not what it means. Unrighteous wealth actually is something of the natural that is a good indicator. If we are faithful with it, we'll be entrusted the supernatural, the true riches. And so it's really interesting that we have this, this kind of comparison because we think, okay, you know, money, sure, like you gotta, you gotta steward it, you gotta be faithful with it. But it's not just like a rule for the sake of being faithful with something. It's because God has so much more and He wants to give us so much more. And so, what are the true riches? You know, what are the, really the true riches? And I think. Um, if we think about like the kingdom of God and serving God, serving people, it's about the things that last our lifetime and beyond. It's, you know, peace, wisdom, joy, and fulfillment. These are the true riches of the kingdom of God that He wants to give to us. But it's not just keeping the true riches to ourselves, but having the stewardship and faithfulness to give them away to others. So this verse is really saying that, hey, until you're faithful in the natural, so you don't have to think just of money, but it is a good example. But things that you're faithful with in your life that seem little actually mean a lot because it determines whether you live in the true riches of the kingdom of God and what He has to give you. And so I know we say like, hey, if I had a lot of money, I would give. But if you have a little and don't give, you won't give when you have a lot. And what we do when we have a little is what we'll do when we have a lot. These habits are formed with the little things in our lives that seem meaningless. All right? And I like this phrase that I heard. It's, it's just a simple phrase. It's a long obedience in the same direction. And so we often, I don't know if you're like me, but I love to look to the next thing, the next adventure, you know, the next vacation, whatever it is. Like, man, I just want something new. I want something fresh. I want to be excited again. But really, God has that for us, and there's a time and place for that. 
But if we're, if we're honest and we take a look at our lives, it's really about a long obedience in the same direction and being faithful and not, not saying that's like mundane or boring because it's not. Because the true riches of the kingdom of God are not mundane. They're not boring. They're, they're really great things that God has for us. So, so think of it, a long obedience in the same direction. Where in your life is there a place where, where you're having to lay down certain things to just be obedient to God? in the same direction, being faithful with little. So going back to the shepherds, you know, David was a shepherd. And uh, we all know David killed Goliath. And lots of people want to kill the giants, but they don't want to protect the sheep. You know, lots of people want to kill giants. They want to do big things. They want to have big achievements in their life. But they don't want to do the little. They don't want to protect the sheep. And... Being faithful with little so that they're entrusted with true riches. And this, this is living for God's purposes. A life of satisfaction and fulfillment devoted to King Jesus. So I have another little story. I had a, when I was 10, I was in fourth grade, and I had a paper out. And it was, it was great, you know, it was six days a week. Um, I, w- I would walk to school and I'd walk home. And I would see this stack of papers on my on the porch and that stack of papers as I saw it you know meant meant responsibility to to take them inside to roll them to put rubber bands on them and then to deliver them I mean that's every day after school that was like okay I see these I can't do anything else until I do this and you know I hadn't really thought much about this story or this this time in my life until recently until the last couple years and thought man this had this is a really formative time and learning responsibility. And so this paper out was six days a week, and I was 10 years old, and I got paid $80 a month. That's like, that's like breaking child labor laws or something. <laughs> Seriously, like $80 a month to deliver these papers, probably a couple hours a day. So it was at least worth minimum wage, like a part-time job. And so, but it was a fortune to me, because I mean, that was like new Hot Wheels, Rescue Heroes, a new bike. Man, I was, I was like rolling in it. And even on Saturdays, Saturdays at 7 a.m., we had to wake up and deliver these papers. And thankfully, my mom, who's here, so uh, she would drive us in her van, and we'd deliver these papers. And so shout out to you, Mom. You're the real MVP here. And, uh, but the Saturday papers were the thick ones. So, like, you just roll them, put a rubber band around them, and you put them in the car and go deliver them. It was dark outside. And if I wanted friends to stay over that night, it was kind of like, yeah, come over. It'll be fun. You know, just we have a paper out. It's 7 in the morning. But anyway, you know, it'll be really fun. Like, wait, what time was that? Just like 6.37. Oh, no, we're not. No, I'm not coming over. Like, no, not doing that. So I would do this, you know, every day. And I really learned, like, hey, this, well, this responsibility you know, was put in my life to teach me something. And it really trained me as a 10-year-old, as much as I could be, you know, putting the, the bag around my bike and kind of getting started. It was really heavy, tossing these things on the porch and doing that just every single day was really formative. And we all have things in our lives right now that really don't look the way we want them to. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of help us envision this as like there's a gap. There's a gap between the way our lives look now and the way we want our lives to look. The way our lives will look when God's purposes are fulfilled in our lives. 
And so there's this gap, right? How, where we are now, how we want to be, how God, how God wants to make our life. And we have to be faithful with the little things that God places in the gap. So we can go from here to here. And it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's not an immediate thing. It's not an immediate gratification that we're so used to. And so God deposits um, little seeds in the gap. And these, these little seeds might be experiences. They might be uh, different jobs, different paper outs. Um, they might be just different phases of your life. Um, different kinds of opportunities and experiences. And these little seeds have the potential for great fruit. They have the potential for great fruit. But for the potential to be realized, we have to be faithful with little. And so we, we get these seeds, and no, no matter how good the seed is, if we don't choose to be faithful with it and grow it, then nothing will happen. Because it's never about the quality of the seed, but about the quality of the soil on which the seed falls. And the quality of the soil is us. That's our hearts. And so people are given the same seed over and over, and God gives people different seeds. But the person who actually does something with it and grows that seed, their life looks a lot different than the person who didn't, even though they might have had the same experience, the same opportunity. And so it's never about the quality of the seed, but the quality of the soil. And then there's sometimes where we really, these seeds don't look like what we want. You know, we ask God, hey, I really need some money. Uh, it's just finances are tight. God, I need money. Okay, here's a job. Like, no, God, I need money. Like, give me some money, okay? Or, or man, I need deep, meaningful friendships, relationships. I really need a community of people. Here's Bluemont Church. Oh, God, no. Like, please, no. Like, not those people. Anyone but those people. But I, really, I need it, God. Come on, I need it. So God, like, gives us these opportunities that don't look like the true riches of the kingdom of God, but they have the potential to become the true riches of the kingdom of God because a lot of times what God sees in our lives is a lot different than what we see. And He sees what we need. Alright, so it's never about the quality of seed, but about, it's about the quality of the soil. And, man, I've got one last idea. This is a quick hitter, okay? I've got one, one last verse, one last idea for us that I want us to take home. And uh, it's the idea, you know, God has purposes for our lives. We still have to co-labor with Him to see those things happen. And so I think this verse encapsulate that, encapsulates that so well. And it's Proverbs 21, 31. It says, The horse is made ready for the battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Just real simple. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So, man, there's preparations happening. There's the horse ready to go into battle and, and, and probably will engage in that battle, but at the end of the day, the victory belongs to the Lord. So there's things that we're doing in our lives that are preparing us for the fight, for the battle, for our lives. But at the end of the day, the victory belongs to the Lord. So I really think this is the foundation on which we live our lives. And we stay ready, we are ready, but we know that God is victorious. Like, we know that it, it, the way our lives look now will look like God's purposes are fulfilled in our lives if we're faithful with little. If the horse is ready for the day of battle, then we can trust God and know that His true riches 
We'll, we'll, we'll bring Him glory and honor, but we'll give us a fulfilled and satisfactory life, o- obedient and serving King Jesus. So, man, that's, that's all I got. I'm going to pray for us, and uh, hope you guys take that and do something with it. Take that seed and do something with it. So, God, we just thank you um, for this morning. We thank you for the people here. We just pray that you would... Um, you'd be gracious to us, God. You're so good and gracious. And um, God, you know what we need in this season. You know um, exactly what you're doing. So God, we just thank you for that. And I, I really pray a blessing um, over the people who are here today. God, that I pray that you would br- maybe bring things up in their lives, little, little things that, that they, they should be faithful with, God, that uh, you will honor if, if they're faithful, God, and even take off the blinders that, that help us, uh, that keep us blind from, from not seeing your true riches, your true purposes, God. And so we just thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing, and we just, we just pray um, that this would sink into our hearts and we would, we would act it out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.